Hello, welcome back to Solomon's Temple. This episode's a special episode. I'm going to be reading poetry from the famous German author Rainer Maria Rilke. I hope I said that properly. I guess it doesn't really matter. Or maybe it does. You can email me, or we can fight. You can call me on the phone and we can set up a uh, boxing match about it. I don't know. However you want to resolve it sounds fair to me. His writing is rather beautiful and deep, and I just wanted to share his poetry. O oh, trees of life, when does your winter come? We are not in harmony. Our blood does not forewarn us like migratory birds. Late, overtaken, we force ourselves abruptly onto the wind and fall to earth at some iced-over lake. Flowering and fading come to us both at once, and somewhere lions still roam and never know in their majestic power of any weakness. But we, while we are intent upon one object, already feel the pull of another. Conflict is second nature to us. Aren't lovers always arriving at each other's boundaries? Although they promised vastness, hunting, home, as when for some quick sketch, a wide background of contrast is laboriously prepared so that we can see more clearly, we never know the actual vital contour of our own emotions, just what forms them from our outside. Who has not sat afraid before his heart's curtain? It rose, the scenery of farewell, easy to recognize, the well-known garden which swayed a little. Then the dancer came, not him, enough. However, lightly he moves, he is customed, made up, an ordinary man who hurries home and walks in through the kitchen. I won't endure these half-filled human masks. Better, the puppet. It at least is full. I'll put up with the stuffed skin, the wire, the face that is nothing but appearance. Here, I am waiting. Even if the lights go out, even if someone tells me, that's all. Even if emptiness floats towards me in a gray draft from the stage. Even if not one of my silent ancestors stays seated with me, not one woman, not the boy with the immovable brown eye, I'll sit here anyway. One can always watch. Am I not right? You, to whom life tasted so bitter after you took a sip of mine, first gritty infusion of my will, father, who as I grew up kept on tasting and troubled by the aftertaste of so strange a future, searched my unfocused gaze. You, who, so often since you died, have trembled for my well-being within my deepest hope, relinquishing that calmness which the dead feel as their very essence. Countless realms of equanimity for my scrap of life. Tell me, am I not right? And you, dear woman, who must have loved me for my small beginning of love toward you, which I always turned away from because the space in your features grew, changed, even while I loved it, into cosmic space, where you no longer were. Am I not right to feel as if I must stay seated? Must wait before the puppet stage? or rather gaze at it so intensely that at last, to balance my gaze, an angel has to come and make the stuffed skin startle into life. Angel and puppet, a real play, finally. Then what we separate by our very presence can come together, and only then the whole cycle of transformation will arise out of our own life seasons.
Above, beyond us, the angel plays. If no one else, the dying must notice how unreal, how full of pretense, is all that we accomplish here, where nothing is allowed to be itself. O oh, hours of childhood, when behind each shape more than the past appeared, and what streamed out before us was not the future. We felt our bodies growing, and were at times impatient to be grown up, half for the sake of those with nothing left but their grown-upness yet were when playing by ourselves unchanted with what alone endures and we would stand there in the infinite blissful space between world and toy at a point which from the earliest beginning had been established for a pure event who shows a child as he really is who sets him in his constellation and puts the measuring rod of distance in his hand who makes his death out of gray bread which hardens or leaves it there inside his round mouth jagged as the core of a sweet apple murderers are easy to understand but this that one can contain death the whole of death even before life has begun can hold it to one's heart gently and not refuse to go on living is inexpressible absolutely immaculate and beautiful i noticed that there was a bit of a um, a common theme there transformation and death the philosopher heidegger said that we should spend more time in graveyards and i wonder if uh, the idea of the mortality that everything isn't permanent and everything's changing and, and nothing will last it will go out our lights will go out maybe meditating on that is a very core spiritual philosophical thing in life that everyone needs to plumb that one was called the fourth elegy a god can do it but will you tell me how a man can enter through the liar's strings? Our mind is split, and at the shadowed crossing of heart roads, there is no temple for Apollo. Song, as you have taught it, is not desire, not wooing any grace that can be achieved. Song is reality, simple for a god. But when can we be real? When does he pour the earth, the stars, into us? Young man, it is not your loving, even if your mouth was forced wide open by your own voice. Learn to forget that passionate music. It will end. True singing is a different breath about nothing. A gust inside the god. A wind. Absolutely astounding. Absolutely astounding. I, I, that takes my, my breath away. True singing is a different breath about nothing. A gust inside the god. A wind it's almost like we are a part of it then we're not and then we're all of it but we're not any of it at one time and our mind is split hmm a man can enter through the liar's strings question mark our mind is split huh okay I will read another one we are involved with flower leaf and fruit they speak not just the language of one year from darkness a bright phenomenon appears and still reflects perhaps the jealous glint of the dead who fill the earth how can we know what part they play within the ancient cycle long since it has been their job to make the soil vigorous with the force of their free marrow but have they done it willingly we ask does this fruit formed by heavy slabs push up like a clenched fist to threaten us their masters or in fact are they the masters as they sleep beside the roots and grant us from their riches this hybrid thing of speechless strength and kisses what a powerful relationship between fruit plants and ourselves he mentions like a, a slave relationship to that which pops out of the ground 
But are we really serving that? Like that is our masters? Like we are depending on that. Huh. That's such a weird uh, thing to think about. Like it's uh, rebelling at us or something and we're taking it and consuming it, but really we are consumed by it and it's our masters. It's very strange. You look at it both ways almost. It's kind of playing with that. I don't know, that's, that's kind of strange. And of course, we get put in the ground when we die. We return to the earth. Everything returns to the earth in a death cycle. Everything's a death cycle? But that's the most beautiful thing because it's life. Oh man, that is scary but very beautiful. Yeah, this guy uh, plays around with transformation and death a lot. That one was called the fourth elegy. The last two I just read were the third and 14th sonnet to Orpheus. I'm borrowing from a book that was edited and translated by Stephen Mitchell. For anyone visiting the temple, or if you're a regular listener, I don't believe it's common that people read Vilka, but I think that you should take an interest in definitely spend some time with him and reflect. It's very good and enriching for the soul. It's good to go very deep into those cold waters sometimes. It can, it can make you reborn, and it will make you transform into something fresh and bright and stronger and more alive. The more you die, the more you're alive. What a great paradox, okay? I'll, I'll leave you with this. So long, and I'll see you next time.